Welcome to the Legend of the Death Race podcast. I'm your host, Tony Matisse, and every week we share legends from past death racers on the courage, power, and wisdom it takes to conquer life's obstacles. All of us death racers aspire to inspire you to create a life past your limits. Today's legend follows the story of death racer Brandon Bonsner, who competed in two death races. Brandon, welcome to the show. Hey, Tony, how you been? Good to hear your voice. Oh, man, I'm doing so good. So happy to be here talking to you about my favorite thing, the death race today. Well, you you and I both, I've really been looking forward to this. And uh, I'm, I'm even more excited about your book release. Um, a lot of us have been waiting, I guess, a lot of years now for uh, for this book. And uh, it, it's just really exciting. It's super exciting, man. And I'm so thrilled to hear that so many people are excited to to read this thing that I spent all these years working on. Well, it's um, it's one of my favorite things to talk about. And as you know, the, the challenge is when you talk to the try to talk to the layman about the death race, it's very difficult, you know, to articulate it. You know, I, I get these sort of thousand yard stares after about five minutes. Like, what? Why? Why would you do that? You know, and what, what you did? What? Like, explain that to me. And my mom still can't understand it. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things that's just really hard to wrap your head around. I mean, that's kind of it's part of why I started the blog. The you know, it's part of why I started this podcast. I wanted to share more people's stories, more people's um, what what they experienced out there. It's it's one of those events that's just it's an anomaly, and no one really understands it until they experience it. And so I only hope that between the book, the podcast and everything else, that more people are going to be exposed to this wonderful life changing event. Oh, yeah. uh, but, you know, the, the, the big thing is, is it's this 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 podcast gives me a chance to talk to all of you and to share your legend um, because everyone has one from this race that participated. And you know, that's what I'm excited to dive into today. Wow. So let's let's dive in. Tell us well, a little bit about where you're from, what your occupation is. Let's let's hear about your story. Let's hear about your legend. Oh, okay. Uh, so I'm from Virginia. Um, originally, I've been in Texas with my my wife and three kids for heck the last uh, I guess dozen or so years now. We we love uh, South Texas, lots to do, and um, you know I guess my my job is I'm a uh, I'm in healthcare. I'm uh, in the healthcare consulting business. And um, I just, you know, I'm one of those guys that, you know, I, I, I like to work hard, but then also play hard. And, um, you know, I kind of discovered that um, after, I guess, 20 years or so of, you know, being, I guess, physically dormant, um, you know, A, it was a combination of being diagnosed with, you know, high blood pressure and bad cholesterol and being told I was a time bomb. You know, my dad just dropped dead of a heart attack. Um, you know, they're telling me that the warning signs are there. And if you don't change something, you know, you're, you're next. Right. And so, you know, that that, was, then that's, that's scary to hear. Yeah. It, it got my attention. Right. And, and I, I knew, I, I knew I had to do something. Um, you know, um, I, I played, uh, football, uh, track, you know, just the typical kids sports, you know, I, through college and, you know, when that ends, um, you know, no one tells you that um, you, you need to continue this, you know, for the rest of your life. And so I in, chose instead to get my, my career going and my family going. And next thing you know, 20 years goes by and, and 
I still felt like I was in great health. I mean, it, you know, don't get me wrong, but, um, you know, run a couple miles here and there, hit the gym and, you know, do some curls and some bench press, you know, here and there, you know, two months on whatever. And just the yo-yo type thing. But, um, uh, I, I guess after that, you know, visit to the doctor, it was something's got to change. And I don't know. I, I, I and was, how old were you when, when that visit to the doctor happened? And, and then how old were you when you went to the death race and how old are you now? Give us a little timeline here. Well, let's see. I don't even know if you were born yet when <laughs> I went to the doctor. No, I'm 50. I'm 50 now. So I did the 2013, 2014 summer death race. So what's that? Um, uh, maybe I was what, 46, seven years, 43. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> you know, and interestingly, I had just come off of a, uh, I guess I'll call it a crucible experience. I mean, you know, the, my spirit had been challenged my, you know, like my core, right. You know, um, I did, I, I, I found the, um, this, this, you know, it's about the time Bin Laden, they got Bin Laden and, you know, the, the Navy SEALs were, you know, all over the news. And, you know, I was kind of fascinated by Navy SEALs and, you know, you start digging into what they go through in terms of training and, you know, the, the Discovery Channel videos were out and mm -hmm. I watched all of those. And, you know, then I decide one day, you know, I think I, I think I might want to give this a try. Right. And, and, and I know I'm just kidding myself, but, um, you know, what, what, what would it take, you know, to, to put myself through this? And shockingly, uh, it was really the first time in my life that I was told that I was too old to do something. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. You're, 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 you're in your forties, uh, sir. You know, we don't, we don't take, you know, New, newbies that are in their 40s you know enjoy your riding off into the sunset you know so long story short um i, I ended up finding this um this ex navy seal commander by the name of mark divine started um this this workout methodology called seal fit his book is uh, unbeatable mind right yeah yeah, yeah. He's, he's got the unbeatable mind and eight eight weeks to seal fit but he um he, he got started you know because see when when you enlist in, in the Navy and you, and you go through that buds process, which is the, uh, you know, the weeding out process, you know, I think 90% of them end up failing out of buds mm -hmm. because they're so physically demanding. Um, you're stuck in the Navy when you quit and you're not only are you stuck in the Navy, but you're stuck in the Navy without a job. And so you, they give you a job and it's pretty much, you know, they, you get sent to the fleet and you're chipping paint for the next three or four years. So, you know, his, his idea was, what if I could help some of these young kids who think they want to be Navy SEALs get closer to that answer before they actually join the Navy? And so he, he started this academy, this prep academy, uh, I don't know, three weeks of, you know, everything from mental toughness to the physical stuff that they do and swimming and, you know, lots of technique things. Um, but at the end of it, it's called Kokoro and it's a, uh, it's a simulation of, uh, Bud's hell week. Right. So, you know, it's, it's very regimented, very similar to like a go ruck event. You know, it's, it's 55 hours and you know, the, the intensity is, it's uh, everything that you would think that, that it would be. And the idea is to, you know, sort of put you through that crucible 
and simulate what Hell, Hell Week's going to feel like. And um, if you're still standing at the end and you still have a good attitude about it, um, you know, A, you, 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 you might think about this might be for you, right? Um, so I think, it's, I think it's safe to say you're a little bit like me. You, uh, you had a little bit of military envy yourself and you wanted to get that taste of, oh, of, of what yeah. it's like. Hands down, I, 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 you know, if I could, I guess, rewind my life and, and do one thing differently, it would, I would serve, you know, our country. I just, uh, you know, I mean, when I was growing up, it was always a threat. You know, it, the military was where, you know, the screw ups got sent. Yeah. Yeah. Was, you know, boy, you better get good grades or, and, and get into college. Or your ass is you know, joining the army. Right. So, right. There's always a negative thing. And, uh, and, you know, of course I, I ended up going and, and, and playing college sports, but, you know, it wasn't until I was in my forties that, you know, I, I, I had this, this, this sense of patriotism and I want to do something about it. And now I'm told that it's too late, but long story short, you know, I, I, uh, I went and did this, uh, this Kokoro cause they, he figured out that, you know, there were others, other genres, if you will, you know, old guys like me that maybe they were trying to get that question answered. And that, that was really mine. You know, I, I went there to get the question answered of, I wanted somebody to tell me that, yeah, this guy's tough enough. He, he would definitely um, graduate buds and, and, and go on to be a seal. Although he's too old and, and, you know, I wanted somebody to tell me that. Yeah. That you just, answer, you wanted yeah. that validation to be That's like, yeah, right. I could have, you know, if I would have done this, you know, at the right time, I could have. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally can relate to that. And I think that's kind of why I sought out the death race myself was I was looking for something that was just going to beat me down and give me some sort of simulation, right, of what it would be like to go through something like that. So you did this event, but how did you find the death race? How did you discover the death race? So so it ended, right? So the 55 hours, it was, you know, everything that I could possibly, um, you know, hope for in terms of a, of a beat down and yeah, and I read I read a lot of your write up. I didn't I didn't make the whole thing, but uh, I read a lot of it, and it, it sounded like quite the beatdown. So, um, <laughs> kudos yeah. to you. It, it was uh, I mean it was awesome. You know the the water it was the part that you know I I, I do a pretty where they like dunked you in upside down and like all the guys had to carry you and you basically were helpless or something. Yeah, it was so. There's a 55 gallon plastic trash can that's um, filled with uh, with ice water. It's like a slushy, right? And they um, they put you in it upside down with your arms basically pinned behind you. Oh man, and that's scary. They they immerse they immerse you. You've got to memorize the serial number of the trash can that's somewhere on the bottom, right? But I don't you know I don't know if you've ever been upside down in in uh, in basically the equivalent of a slushy, but no i can't say it's total darkness you know dude it sounds so scary that sounds like something that would scare the shit out of me they pull you out and they're like you know what's the serial number and and you know i look at them like how the hell you know yeah i can't see shut up but you know they put you back in and finally i got smart and uh what's the serial number i said three and they're all right you can go back and you know they they moved on to the next guy oh man uh um, it ended right. You know, I, 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 um, I finished it and then, you know, they, they bring you in one, one on one and all the, um, all the instructors are, are there. And so this is my big chance, you know, and they, I mean, my ass didn't even hit the seat and they're like, okay, you know, bombs are so, 
you're probably here because you want to know if uh, if you could be a Navy SEAL. And I'm, hell, yes, I'm here. And I didn't quit, and, and, I, and I want my answer. And they're like, you really want your answer? Yeah, let me, I, I want to know. And we can't tell you. You know, the only way you would ever know that is if you went to Bud's. Oh, man. <laughs> so, so. I mean, it's true, though. That, that's yeah, the truth, no. right? Like, the, the simulation is still not the actual thing, and you'll you'll never know unless you actually did it. But they, uh, they, they handed me a beer, and they said, but, you know, you're a pretty good weekend warrior, but uh, you know, how the hell are we supposed to know if you could make it, you know, through Bud's? You got to go through Bud's to find that out. And I just I thought that was very profound. And, and you know, it, it kind of put a new perspective on it. It was like, you know what? this was, I chose to do this. I paid money to do this. This is really more for fun. It, uh, it definitely got my attitude and, and got me pointed in the right direction. You know, I'm, I'm back in charge of my physical self and I'm having fun, you know, and, and, and there's just so much more to life. And it, man, it didn't take but a couple of weeks, um, after that ending, when that hunger started to hit me again, <laughs> like, okay, what's next? You know, what, yeah. what, what else is out there? And, you know, I found CrossFit, you know, um, competing in CrossFit was cool. And that was something that, you know, those juices got flowing again. And um, but also I found I found the death race just, you know, by surfing the web. And it was, you know, it was love at first sight. It was like, wow, you know, this this really seems to be in that same type of crucible category, like really super hard. Mm -hmm. I like the fact that, you know. You, you may die and you know and and it's really scary and 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 but this is what, what's really cool is is this mental aspect of it um you know the trickery and, and that type of thing that that was completely different than the seal experience which is very regimented it's this the standards are you know very transparent i mean you you either perform kind of like a go like a go rock event you know you either meet the standard or, or you're out right yeah yeah and that's like that's the big thing that makes the death race so different it's so arbitrary like there is no rule book there is no standard it's just you know you're trying to like figure out this organized chaos and how to like survive in it i uh i really thought that when i showed up in 2013 which was the year of the what was it the gambler the gambler yeah you know, and so he, after what seventy-two hours, we're we're all standing there in our tuxedos. Good and, for you getting that tuxedo on. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I I was the idiot that like you know bought the the nineteen seventies you know full full on you know that sucker when it got wet ended up weighing about twelve pounds. I lugged it with me for three days and oh, this man. wasn't smart enough yet. Like the guy that had the the, the t-shirt tuxedo. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and like that passed and I'm thinking, gosh, dang, that was smart. But, those you know, clever, those clever little hacks, man. Uh, oh, you know, they're so they're, they're so important to your and vital to your, your survival. And they can make they can make all the difference. It's too bad that this podcast is only an hour because <laughs> go on. But uh, no, but standing there um, in that tuxedo and then having to come to terms with really for the first time i mean i knew that you know they 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 play tricks on you and they lie to you and, and blah 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 but it never dawned on me that after you know three days and here i am with all these other people a lot of people quit but i'm standing here in my tuxedo and it's time to go in that casino and gamble and yeah i'm missing my my uh, yellow my yellow chip because you know that's a whole nother story but you know the I'm finding out that the yellow chip was required 
to uh, even to even gamble for your skull. Um, and of course, you know, I've got an accountability problem. Well, it wasn't my fault. You, know, you, mm-hmm. you sent me to purgatory. You sent me to do yard work. And, um, but uh, I, I walked, you know, I just couldn't believe it. Like, wait a minute. You're you're, you're not you're not going to. I'm still standing here after three days and I'm not getting my trophy. I'm not getting my skull. That is just unacceptable. And, and, you know, people were people were pissed. I mean, they were you know, I, I was really more shell shocked in that moment. But I mean, I, I saw I saw guys that were like throwing shit, you know, peeling out in their vehicles and just driving off. And um, and so how did you react and how did you respond to all uh, to, to, to this this reality that you're now faced with? You know, I, I just I believe everything happens for a reason. Um, I walk out of there, you know, you did an episode with Edgar Landa and, uh, you know, I, I again, I, I, I do my homework and, and one of the things I did was, was cold call veterans, you know, when I was training up and just trying to get a, get an idea, you know, of, um, what to expect. And Edgar has this, um, this blog, my muddy shoes, I think it's yeah, called. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I found it, you know, in my research and, and then, you know, reached out to him and great guy. You know, yeah, he's really he's a really good dude. He had some really good insights, you know, for me just in terms of you know, how to prepare and, and that type of thing. But, you know, I mean, it was one conversation over the phone and I, I can't remember if he I don't think he competed that year. I think he was crew, the Sisu group. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, I, I walk out of the casino and um you know, I got, I won my bib with the chips that I had, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't even uh, compete with the, the skull. So I'm, I'm coming to grips with the fact that although I didn't quit and I did everything that was asked of me, um, these sons of bitches aren't going to give me this, this skull. And this is just completely unacceptable. What Edgar's standing right there. And I just, uh, Hey Edgar. And he's like, Hey, how'd you do? Did you get your skull? You know, and no, you know, and, 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 and I kind of, laid on him, you know, all this heavy shit that I'm now having to deal with. And he's like, listen, man, just, just be cool. And, uh, he goes, look, Joe's over there. Here's, here's, here's what I want you to do. Just go, go to Joe, tell him how you feel and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just did. I'm, you know, I'm delirious, right? We've all been up for what? Yeah. I mean, three days, no sleep. I mean, and you know, I think it was a combination of, of Edgar, just his calming voice and then watching, you know, some of these others that were just violent, filled with rage. You know, I just I just walked up to Joe and introduced myself. Hi, Joe. You know, I'm, my name is Brandon. And uh, first off, thank you, you know, for this this awesome experience. You know, I'll, I'll be decompressing this and trying to decipher what happened for the next months. But listen, um, I, I just got to let you know, I, I've still got more in the tank. And um, I'm about to, you know, pack up and leave. And, you know, it, 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 I really wanted to, uh, I really wanted to leave here with the skull. And if there's any way you could see fit to uh, laying out a final challenge for me, I, I would just really appreciate it. And, and how did he respond to that? I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it actually sounded better than that when I said it. It, it was just, uh, it's like all of the remaining energy in my body at that moment went into those words the way I chose them carefully and mm-hmm. I could see him processing like he wanted to say no I mean it's like Monday morning now yeah and, uh, he just goes see that building over there go go there and sit and wait and so I go and 
you know, sit down and, you know, I don't know, was, at first it was me, maybe me and a couple other people. Um, half an hour later, there must have been 30 of us sitting over there. And they come out and they say, um, listen, uh, you know, there's five skulls left. And um, you guys have all indicated that, you know, you were cheated and you feel like you deserve a skull. And so there's five of them and they're at the top of Bloodroot. And uh, you need to jock up, you know, for prepare for, you know, another 24 hours. We're sending the, the support home. The volunteers are all going home. It's Monday. Um, the first five people to get there, uh, you know, will, will get their skulls. And, oh, by the way, um, there's going to be cutoffs along the way, right? And so instantly everyone starts preparing for this, this uh, you know, long, I guess, revisit to, um, to Bloodroot. And oh, I just, I just, I don't know. I, I, I thought about it just for a second and I'm thinking it's Monday. He just said it. They're all going home. This, this is not going to be a 24 hour slog to blood route. This is going to be an all out sprint. People were, you know, foraging food, you know, grabbing the supplies from people that had quit or, and, uh, I, I did the opposite. I, I went light, you know, I, I put my innovates on, um, I had no nothing, you know, and I just made a decision that when they say go, I'm going to start running and I'm not going to stop, you know, because I just, that's how bad I wanted it. Yeah. And, uh, uh, man, I mean, definitely, definitely the hardest challenge that in, in the two years that I did it was, was this one, because you've seen me, I mean, I'm, I'm not a runner, um, and I'm old. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I got some real athletes. I mean, some real Spartan athletes in uh, in this group of people. But I think many of them had taken it at face value and, and you know, loaded up 30 pounds worth of food and water and stuff. So I had that going for me. But long story short, um, I was – I just remember running. You know, I made the first two cutoffs bit barely, and now I'm back in the woods. And uh, it just the, – the whole thing – was surreal because you know I, I i'm not afraid to push myself but i remember thinking that consoling myself while i'm running you're you're, you're not going to die all right the worst thing that's going to happen is you're just going to pass out because i mean that that's the level that i was running at i mean i, I was as fast as i could move and uh and if you pass out you're just going to wake up in a heap, you know, on, on the side of the trail. It's going to be over and that's it. Or you're going to hit the finish line. Right. And no sooner, no sooner did I, um, did I, uh, say that to myself that Don like jumps out, literally jumps out from behind a tree. I mean, it's just me in the wood <laughs> and then Don just jumps out with a skull and he goes, you want this, don't you? <laughs> I thought he was messing with me. Like he was going to, turn and run and and and, and i grabbed grabbed it with both hands and like bear hugged it yeah I looked at him and i just said yes and he goes see those two guys over there doing burpees um i, I guess i was the third person one okay josh fiore was there oh yeah he's fast um, he's wicked fast i think he i think he he was the first one there and um oh man I, I'm, I'm gonna butcher everybody's names i can't remember if uh it's all right. It's been like, you know, yeah. five, six, seven years, whatever. It's okay. Yeah. Go, go do burpees with them. I don't want the others to think that, you know, that it's over. I don't know. It was, 
it was probably somewhere between three and five miles that, that we ended up, you know, running. But I mean, it was, uh, that was, that was awesome. It, 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 it you know, I mean, I, I, I left with my skull and that was the, the goal and, um, very grateful for, uh, for that second chance, you know? <clears throat> yeah. And that sounds like an awesome way to get your first skull. So, uh, I guess the question is, uh, is it all about the skull? I, I, I know there's really two, two camps and, um, I'm probably going to lose some friends over my answer, but absolutely it's about the skull. And I, I why, why is that? Why is it all about the skull? Well, it, it beca- to me, it's simple. It, it became about the skull the first time Joe and Andy gave out a skull, right? I mean, you know, we, we can talk about finisher or unofficial finisher or whatever. I mean, um, you know, I, I went with a um, uh, friend of mine both years, and uh, 2013 was our first year. Um, he, you know, I, I got sent to purgatory immediately. And I, I'm I'm with Rob Barger, you know, we're cutting down trees, you know, with a carpenter saw for you know the whole first day while everybody else is, you know, getting the shit kicked out of them, chopping wood and, um, you know, the blood root deal and, and the swim. You know, we, we missed all that shit. You know, oh. we, we, we were told, um, I mean, we, you know, we were doing hard, hard manual labor. I mean, we were basically landscaping um, somebody's yard. I, I mean, we literally cleared like five acres of trees with carpenter saws. Oh, damn. People were cutting grass with scissors. I mean, it was just absolutely madness. Um, but, um, you know, yes. Yeah. It, 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 it was all about the skull because, um, my buddy who did all that extra work, right. He, I think I'm now on the swim. He, he, he did two miles of, you know, Alpine Lake swimming, uh, and they wouldn't let him go on the third lap. So he didn't get his yellow chip and, and he went home without one. And um, he and I came back the following year. Um, the goal was, you know, for him to get his skull. You know, it wasn't about the experience or finishing or uh, I don't know. I mean, if, if and, and it's just a piece of plastic, you know, I mean, it, I think it just it, it for what it, it symbolized uh, the um, uh, the achievement, you know, that you ultimately set out to do, like originally set out to do. Well, and yeah, and when you say it's all about the skull, I mean, yeah, it's that that cheap piece of plastic that anyone can get for like two, three bucks from Amazon, but it's the symbolism. It's what it symbolizes. It's so important, right? It's, it is more than just the skull in a sense, because it's, it's everything that skull represents. I I do not disagree one bit. It, uh, and you know, I mean, I, I, there it is sitting over there on the shelf. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't look at it. I don't play with it. I mean, it's a piece of plastic, right? I, yeah. I would much rather do what we're doing now and, and talk about the death race. And, you know, and, I, and people are right in that respect when, yeah, it's about the experience and the ride and everything like that. But when you're there, you're playing for a skull, period. You know? Yeah, you I mean, that's, that's the final objective, essentially, is to walk away with that. So what was, I mean, I guess... I guess we kind of touched on this, but maybe we can just uh, real quick summarize. Like, what was your why for doing this death race, and then going back after you got your first skull? Because you went back. So, why? You know, let's talk about that. Um, I, I I think I I I think you know that 
like I said, it's a, it, it, it calls, it calls you when you, when you really train up for something both physically and, and, and mentally, like you go all in. Um, and I, I, I take things very seriously. I, I, you know, my, my, my first event ever was a tough mutter and again, I'm going to hurt some more feelings, but I, I was so underwhelmed by that experience versus what I put into it going in. It was 2010. It was you know brand new. And, you know, you, you read the, 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 the disclaimer, you know, warning, you know, it was the first time you're really being asked to sign a death waiver. I mean, yeah, right. You know, <laughs> Those like, things are so everything the death waiver, but, but back then, you know, and then the British special forces designed the course and, you know, and I'm thinking, man, this is going to test me to the center of my spirit. Um, um, and then I busted my ass training. I mean, I was, I showed up ready to go. And then, you know, you get there and it's like, you know, you're standing in line for the obstacle. I mean, I don't even, my heart rate got up, you know, but a couple of times and, um, this, that electricity is just stupid. Um, <laughs> you know, and I, and I, I was pissed, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there at the bar that night, you know, having our celebration deal with my, you know, my yellow sweatband. And I just feel like I'd been punked and you know, I'm brooding and, and a buddy I was with says, Hey man, you know, do you, uh, do you really want to be challenged? And that's when he kind of turned me on to that whole seal fit thing. Um, but to answer your question, I mean, I, I, I call it soul food. You know, it's like you, you, you can train your, 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 your body, right? Um, you, you can, you can train your mind, but I think your spirit needs, needs to be exercised as well. And, you know, we, I've got my day my daily grind, you know, my job, my customers, my family, all my kids in, the, in their stuff. And, and, you know, things I've just learned about myself. If I put too much time, uh, between, I guess, crucible experiences that my capacity for, um, letting the little things bug me, uh, decreases right you know I, I fly off the handle about stupid shit faster and and it's funny as i talk to you now i'm kind of i'm kind of back in that you know it's like i, I i'm craving I, I need to get out there and, and really you know put myself and walk that line and 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 um you know soul food right yeah man i i like totally it, totally understand because i'm in that I'm in that right now. I'm feeling like the need to go suffer a little again because it just feels like I need to reset and get yeah. some of that and get some of that soul food. Yeah, I I'll never forget, man. Um, it was the 2014 death race. We were we were doing um, what do they call them? Time trials on Joe's Mountain. Oh yeah, all, all night. And uh, you know we're we're going up and down the the steps that we built, which by the way to me is just to me it's the eighth wonder of the world. I'm, it I'm, is. It's so incredible. We built those steps up that mile-long trail. It's unbelievable. It'll be there forever. I mean, forever. And you know, it's it takes me back to grade school, and they're talking about the Egyptians and how they built the pyramids. Mm-hmm. Like I, I can relate now. You know, like we, we, you try to talk about that with somebody, and they just look at you like you're stupid. You know, but uh, hey, go to Pittsville, Vermont. Go find the stone steps, and you know, we we built those. Yeah. And, not only did we build them, but we finished early. Yeah, I think, yes. I, I think they let us like lay down for 20 or 30 minutes or something. Yeah, they gave us like that little like nap at the top of the mountain under the stars or something like that. Uh, yep. Yeah, it was uh, it was 
it was just enough. But I remember you you had you had this um, one step that you were that you were just cultivating. I mean, this this you you worked on this one step for hours, right? And yeah. uh, I, I I got somehow I got myself sucked into like you know big boulder moving detail. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and I'm like just wobbling, you know, after doing that for hours. And you got like a I don't know what tool you had in your hand, but it, I mean, it was literally like a garden tool, like a one hand garden tool. And you were just chiseling and you were late, like kind of like laid out on your side. You had this big smile on your face. And I was just going, he's got it figured out, man. <laughs> and you, you just built this one beautiful step. I, I wonder if they should call that Tony step and have your name on it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, definitely that was my second year and i had kind of figured out a little bit i was like okay this is the early time this is not the time to be putting all of my effort in there just trying to get us tired i need to i need to conserve as much as i can smart but that second year we were just doing laps and i, I just maybe it was a combination of being delirious and hallucinating but um it literally stopped me in my tracks you were coming down and uh you know, anyone that knows you knows you've got this huge smile, and I and <laughs> you were just grinning from, you know, of course because I'm hallucinating, it's like three times as big as it normally is. Yeah. You're like literally max speed, like totally just you know the parking brakes off, and I've never seen. It, you almost looked like you were above the earth, like angelic, <laughs> and I just stopped, and I wasn't the only one that stopped, and and you you ended up coming close enough where I just went. Man, you you are killing this, and you just you just kind of said as you ran past, time of my life, bro, time of my life. Yeah, it really was, man. That was to this day. That is my that's my defining moment. That's my favorite moment of the death race. Was those that that challenge, that time trial up and down there was that was something, man. You how mentioned many you, how many? Would we have to do seven? I think we had to do five minimum, and I ended up I ended up with nine. Maybe ten. It was nine or ten. I think it was nine. It's in the book. <laughs> okay. Um, when I actually remembered it, yeah, I wrote it down. Um, yeah, that was that was a crazy ride. Um, you mentioned some training earlier. I want to dive into that. What was your training like for this race? Um, you know, I, 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 the first year when I didn't really know what to expect. Um, you know, I, I, I did a good job of, of doing my homework, as I said. You know, Ed, Edgar was a huge help. He turned me on to uh, to Joe Decker. His, his uh, I guess it's called the Suck. Yeah, the Suck so, and the Ultimate Suck is like his yeah. big one. Yep. Yeah, so, you know, we, we went out to, uh, my, my buddy and I, we went out to San Diego and, and did his 24-hour 20, Suck, and and it sucked. Um, <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, I, I, to this day, I don't think, and I've done a lot of different, stuff across a bunch of genres you know um, you know that guy's a legend i want to get him on the show at some point he's he won like a couple of them i think he's uh he's amazing and, yeah. and he's he's still amazing you know and, and i mean you don't really see him much anymore i, I never saw him in a death race and he, he kind of quit doing it and, and and you know but he helps others get ready for it you know through his his, his program but i the the heaviest i've ever been loaded down with anything was at that suck i mean i i was really in just total disbelief that you, you want us to carry what? Yeah, I mean, dude, he likes he likes the big, big, heavy stuff. Tires and and you know, buckets of rocks and then of course your rock and every everything that's in it. We we did uh it was just a, like a year ago, 
maybe two years ago, we finished the Bataan Memorial Death March, which is just a it's a marathon distance ruck with uh, mm-hmm. 35 pounds. And I did it with a team. And, uh, you know, we're we trained hard. And I mean, you know, we, we showed up ready and, and we actually beat the um, the 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 West Point. Uh, I guess the West Point cadet rucking team that we you know we got a picture with them and we we you know we, we caught them right at the end oh man that's we're, awesome that's we're huge. just we're so pumped and you know you're feeling like a badass and uh and, and I, I his joe decker's wife was was nearby like i, I recognized her and it's been five years i forget her name to kill me but uh but i you know i saw her i ran up and, hey you know and you know gave her a hug and and uh you know how's joe is, is he here and i'm expecting her to say something like Oh yeah, you know he's he's retired now, and you know he he's back on the sofa watching football or whatever. He's no, no, he's um he's asleep in his tent. He finished like an hour ago, and I'm thinking, <laughs> what? And I actually went and pulled it up, and I mean, it was just this stupid sick time that he got on the same race that I just finished. Beat like beat us by an hour. Wow. He's, uh, he's, yeah, he definitely, and he provided a great training platform for a while there. So he was definitely a good resource. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But you know, just just talking to people, I I, I called Pat Patrick Mice up. If I'm, if I, am I saying his name right? Uh, I think it's Mies. Yeah, Patrick Mies. Um, and you know, he he hadn't done his first one yet, but he'd just gotten back from some camp in in Pittsfield that they put on. That's right. For, he went up there for that like uh, weekend camp or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, so he had some things to share, you know, just sort of or- orienteering type stuff, which was which was very helpful. But you know, for the just, audience, yeah, there was a there was a period of time where the death race, they would have like some camps up in Vermont where you could go up there and get, you know, some, I guess, almost not private, but really personal training with, uh, you know, your own little simulated mini death race. <laughs> but it, it's just so cool how how fraternal it, it all is, because, you know, it's it's like. You, you you're watching selection i'm you know i'm just having a beer watching you know spending the weekend watching um <laughs> you know, mark jones and, and patrick and it's not, not it's just my third year of watching you know this attempt and you know you're just pulling for them and it's just like everybody else that's watching this right but i was in a cave with that guy you know in the middle of the night and we were you know trying to decipher some message on the wall <laughs> right or, you know like i i went to iceland with my daughter uh, you know, we did that ultra race and, you know, um, again, you know, Mark Jones, oh, there's Rob Fiore, you know, he, he won the thing, you know, so, you know, all the television crews are interviewing him and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I was, uh, I was in purgatory with him, you know, in, in the 2013 death race or, you know, like Amelia Boone, hell, even you, you with the, uh, with the ninja stuff there for a while oh yeah 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 i mean you know it's 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 really cool it's the 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 community of people that that do these events and then the the lasting bonds that you have with them after like i mean years years later we still all are like the bestest of friends because of that suck that we went that suffering that you know we, we had an experience that most humans will never even come close to understanding let alone having and it the, the bonds that it has created is I'm at a loss for words right now to explain it. It's so powerful. Well, what, I mean, what, that's, what's so great about what you're doing with this podcast, because, you know, I've listened to not all of them, but m- many of them, let's just say more than half. And, um, 
what, what's what's so cool is is when someone starts getting into a story that I was a part of, but I forgot about it because it just it's just absent from my mind. And so now I, I'm 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 getting sort of recall on some things that um, maybe I blocked out or blacked out or, or, or whatever, but you know, I'm still living this thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and it's, so, it's super cool to be able to like relive, you know, these stories through other, other people's version of their, their death race. I'm loving it. Every single time I get to like, you know, talk to someone about their experience, I'm reliving it or, or maybe I'm just like relating to it. Cause it's like, Oh, you know, especially with the new crew that's coming through, you know, they brought the death race back and hearing their stories. It's, you know, there's always these, these people are like, Oh, it's not like, it's not the same. And yeah, sure. It's a little bit different here and there. You know, it's always changing. The death race is never the same. Every year is different, but the, I think the core principles are still there. I think people are still getting the same, you know, benefit of doing the experience. And so it's really still a lot the same. And it's, it's so cool to hear just all these different people being able to have this transformational experience. And that's, I think what I've heard most from everyone is that it's this transformational experience that is like consistent. Um, so let's, let's dive in. Did you have any fears going into this event? I mean, you had already done like a lot of really long, hard events, so you probably had a pretty good level of confidence, but did you have any fears going into the death race? And what were those? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it wasn't so much fears as far as am I going to be able to show up? It was more about the things that I couldn't control. You know, I, I, I was, um, um, I guess, worried about, you know, being lied to to a point where it, you know, it, it takes me out, you know, and, and, and there's a lot, a lot of that that goes on. And oh, so much. I mean, there's so much deception. It's unreal. The whole town, the whole town's in on it. You know? Everyone's in on it. Everyone is in the volunteers are like, you can't even trust the volunteers. You can't trust anybody. Really? I, uh, you know, I, Heck, I sometimes it, wondered if I could trust my crew <laughs> that first year, you know, they just rookie mistake, but they put the, the word out, you know, you can earn an extra chip if you show up and, and volunteer at, you know, do, doing some um, some yard work. You know, I don't know. It was some some hotel. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, we, we took that bait and I mean, just spent the whole freaking day hard labor. And the, and the race hasn't even started yet, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, it's just like, OK, I came in a day early. Because I'm gonna need that chip, you know, be back to fear. Because you know they're gonna lie to me, and uh, and it's gonna cost me. A, I'm gonna be down a chip. So doing this volunteer work, I'm gonna be plus one. So then I'll <laughs> then I'll be good, right? And then you know we're all driving away exhausted, and the thing hasn't even started yet. And then they make the announcement that um, the casino or the bank that, that that funded the casino went went out went bankrupt, and and the chips no longer have any value. Yeah, you're just like I just did. I just spent a whole day for, for absolutely nothing. And they just they just totally mess with you. And, and that's definitely something to be rightfully a little bit fearful of. Is you just it. don't know, like, are you actually, like, the efforts that you're doing, are they worth it? And, you know, where, where we live in Texas, you know, there's not a lot of wood, not a lot mm-hmm. of wood to chop. And so, you know, rookie wood wood chopper. But, again, to be... As, know, as so many death racers really are, which is... It's kind of sad, but so many of us had never chopped wood or, you know, I know I went and made sure I practiced before the first time, but, you know, it wasn't until I found the death race that I actually chopped wood. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we, we left the volunteer detail. We went to 
I guess it was Peter Borden's house. That was a mistake. Hey, can we practice chopping some wood? Oh, man. (laughs) He actually turned his boys loose on us. And they're like, they're like eight years old and they lie too. Oh man. Like they, I don't know what they do if they give those kids like a briefing or what, but those kids are in on it and they are, they are savage. <laughs> we just, we just chopped wood for, you know, for an hour or so. We just had this big mountain of wood and, uh, and then you just hear it. it. It was, it was like, it was planned, but it really wasn't. But you hear that deep Don Devaney voice, stack that wood. Stacked that wood, you know, across the street. I mean, they basically they had us, you know, walk a quarter mile with uh, all the wood that we just chopped and we had to stack it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that, that's what the supplies, you know, like the Amy Farm Lodge with their wood for the year. <laughs> so let's um, let's dive in. What was one of the more interesting or stupid things that you did during the race? Well. Um, I mean, I, I've I've got a, a real stupid one, and then I've got one that that really um, like changed me, right? Mm-hmm. The, the stupid one was that it we we were in Purgatory, which is where they they sent you. Um, Rob Barker did a great job of talking about Purgatory, but yeah, uh, you know, Patrick was in there, and he he actually won the award for working the hardest so he earned himself a ticket back into the race before it was too late okay he ended up getting his yellow chip is my understanding oh okay uh, yeah i was really impressed by that um he's an animal he's, he's he's just a monster but um every now and then and i forget who who was running that particular uh ordeal but he he comes up and he says um one person We'll get out of the race if you win this next challenge. And he explains the challenge. He said that there's a plastic contractor black garbage bag. Um, I found a hornet's nest and I've I've placed it in the bag. And so we're going to uh, you're going to circle up, and each of you others I don't know ten of us each of you have to place both hands on the lip of that plastic bag. And so we're in a circle. And we've got the bag in the middle, and there's this hornet's nest in the bottom of the bag. And he said, on the count of three, I'm going to kick the bottom of the bag. Oh, and the person who, the last man standing, right, um, with both hands firmly, you know, gripped on the contractor bag, get, gets back in the race. And I'm just thinking, it's just a beast thing, you know. This isn't a big deal. I don't know shit about hornets. Um, I don't know if you know about hornets, but they're not like bumblebees or yellow jackets. Um, and so, of course... He kicks that bag, and that hornet, I mean, he didn't even think about, there was no, like, I think I might sting this guy. He beelines straight for my neck. Oh, shit. The throat punched me. I mean, oh. I was the first person to let go, and I got stung. Yeah, that sounds awful. Uh, hornets are awful. <laughs> and that was, that was the dumbest thing, dumbest thing that I did, but uh, probably the, I, I I don't I guess the task that that really had the the biggest impact on me was was that white bus. Um, in 2014, remember they? Oh, you took the you took the white bus, yeah. Yeah, it, and that was man, that's that's such a an awesome ex- experience. And, let's and let's go let's go down 
let's go down this rabbit hole a little bit because I personally wasn't on the white bus. I've, you know, heard, I know I've heard a lot of the stories, but I don't think we've even shared that much about the white bus. Maybe I think Rob Barger shared a little bit about it, but yeah, let's, that's right, a little, yeah let's talk about this a little bit. Well, it, because there was the two buses. So there was a yellow bus, there was a white bus. You had to choose which bus you got on. The yellow bus was like your typical school bus, very uncomfortable. The white bus was one of those nice coach luxurious buses. And you had to make a choice. Which one do you get on? And as a death racer, you know, you got to make a choice that might help you or hurt you. And it's really hard to make that decision because you don't know what kind of game they're playing. Choose wisely. Mm -hmm. So the the buddy I was with, uh, you know, I'm a terrible land nav person. We, you know, we took a land nav course, you know, one weekend before we went. I I still, you know, I, I couldn't navigate myself out of a paper bag but we made a decision that that was a strength of his so you know he was going to navigate but but i made all the key decisions and so when when you know they said choose wisely he looks at me and he says you make the decision oh man it's a lot of pressure really have to think about it and my, my thought was we're everybody's screwed either way um i'm just gonna be if, if I'm going to get screwed up, I, I'm going to do it in comfort. And this this is a really nice tricked out to the nines, you know, limo coach bus. It's got air conditioning that's running right now and I'm jumping on it. Right. And so um, but it was just funny as hell because. The yellow, all of you guys went to the yellow school bus. Oh, hell I'm yeah. Because, you know, we were all thinking that. yellow bus. That's the death race bus. Like they want us to suffer. Go on the bus that makes you suffer. <laughs> sitting on each other's laps and shit and like you know we're all sprawled out because no one got on on the white bus yeah Yeah. uh, so you know i i just remember um oh and and i was terrified and and this goes back to that that seal seal fit kokoro thing but they put us on a on in a van and we weren't allowed to sleep and 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 there was a penalty for for falling asleep and they turned the heat up made it cozy and they put soft music on and, and they turned around in their chairs and they just had this notepad and every time eyes closed it was you know x number of burpees right oh man and, we, and you know we're all just falling asleep we've been up for two days and you know and we you know, we i think we owed like three thousand burpees so anyway I'm, I'm just terrified of falling asleep on this bus yeah yeah absolutely I told myself that i wasn't allowed to fall asleep but no one said that you couldn't Fall asleep, you know. Oh, they they told us that we couldn't fall asleep on our bus. <laughs> That's so funny. That's and every but everyone fell asleep. <laughs> yeah. Well, on our bus as well. And and my 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 last moment that I recall before I just like really fell into a, a long deep sleep was you know those uh, we were on the interstate like I ninety five or whatever one. And, and you guys and drove then, all the way from Vermont to New York. <laughs> Yeah, and, you know, you see those like miles to go signs, right? And yeah. on the very bottom is always the the one that's just the long haul, and it was like it just said New York City, like five hundred and twenty three miles. And my last thought to myself was, you don't think? And then I just I fell asleep, you know. <laughs> and then I'll be damned, man. Like when when I woke up, um, there's the Manhattan skyline. Like they bust just five hundred miles all the way to uh to, to, to new york city but um here's my here's my my moment um rick cohen's on this bus rick was doing a documentary yeah that's right and but he was racing too and and uh he was just like a mess you know sad and um hey man you know what what's the matter and he said um 
you know, I just found out that my best friend in the world is is going to die. Oh, he's terminal yes, I remember when that happened. Dude, yeah, this is uh, I mean, this 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 messed me up. I still I mean, every time I talk about it. So anyway, if I start wailing, just uh, cut like pull the plug on this. It's totally OK. So, so, you know, Don basically says, listen, um, we're going to call an audible. He's got that deep voice. And we're um, we're going. Mr. Cohen here is his best friend in the world is going to die sometime today. He's terminal cancer patient. And, you know, Rick was notified that, you know, he needs to come say goodbye to his best friend. And so we're all going to go and say goodbye to his best friend, Chad. Right. So and it was that, you know, they put us in these um, these white Tyvek jumpsuits with uh, with shoe covers. It's all part of the mandatory gear list, which was brilliant because, you know, we're just disgusting. I mean, we've been up, you know, in the mud, you know, for two days and and now we're sterile because we've got these white Tyvek suits. But they marched a single file into the hospital and um, um we had to stand outside and, and the, you know, the task was one at a time and, you know, um, Chad's parents are cool with this and Rick's cool with this. You know, you've got to go in, into, uh, into Chad's room and, and you got to say goodbye to Chad and, you know, don't, don't, don't take forever. And so, um, yeah, oh man. So you, you, uh, you know, I, I just part delirium part, just kind of, you know, I've never even seen anything like this before. Um, and like, what am I about to do? I, I don't know this person. I mean, what do you even stay? And, and uh, I, I was, I felt a lot of pressure and stress. Like, I, I don't know what I'm going to say. I, I you know, but um, I went in there you know, when it was my turn and um, what I saw, it, it just, it, it just like, it rocked me and it, and it, it, it will, it just changed me, man. And it's like, that's the beauty of this, of the death race. And really the irony is not lost in the name because it's really, I, I mean, it's, it's really the life race, right? Here's a guy who he, he knew he was going to die that day. He, I could see it in his eyes, right? He's, he's intubated. He's, um, he's, he's, you know, just, um, you could just tell his body, every bit of life that was left in it was fighting right now to keep breathing. Right. And he knew that it's kind of like when you're, when you're in a, in a hard workout, um, you can only sustain this for so long. And it's like any moment now it's going to get away from me and I could see it in his eyes. And, um, um, you know, I said what I said and, and, uh, and it was the next person's turn. But, um, I, uh, I, I, I mean, I, I, that, that's the most profound, one of the most profound moments of, of, uh, of my life. And I'm so glad that I got that experience. I mean, because, you know, we're all going to die and it's how you memento mori, man, memento mori. Oh, dude, you know, and, um, he, he, um, he was fighting his ass off for every breath that he was taking. Right. I mean, it, it, and he knew that there were only so many left. I mean, it was kind of mm -hmm. like you get in the gym and there's only so many more reps you can do before you fail. And he knew it was coming and he didn't quit, you know, and, and, uh, I, you know, I wasn't there when he passed. Um, I, I understand that, that Rick may have been, but, um, 
um, I left there a changed man. And like, I look at life differently now, you know, from, from that experience. Um, just absolutely awesome. Yeah. That, that can give you a whole new perspective. Um, and really make, make you appreciate what you have. Uh, well, we had, so there we go. Yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting teary eyed. It's really, that's, that's pretty yeah, powerful. You, you, usually I just break down. I mean, I, I, I really, it's hard to even talk about me even all these years later and, um, but, you know, again, just very, very grateful to uh, have had the chance to meet with him and, and say goodbye to him. And um, yeah, it's, a, it's really he, nice that he, Rick was he, able to be there and that you guys were able to help support Rick and Rick's friend in that time. Well, you know, it, I like to look at it like this. Chad gave all of us an awesome gift that day. You know, he 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 gave us an awesome gift. And um and I got to see somebody that was a fighter that I didn't know. Um, but, you know, I hope that I fight like that for every breath that I've got left. You know, that's kind of my attitude after you know going through that. Absolutely. But moving on. So, you know, we. Left <laughs> there, uh, so, yeah, and, let's and, uh, it, it, let's talk about what was the most difficult task. Oh, uh, um, or was that or was that it? That, that was. Yeah, that, that was that was hands down. I mean the most difficult thing you know because I mean, like, that's really difficult to go say goodbye to someone i think yeah um, um damn so how about how about another topic food i love talking about food what did oh. what did what did you eat to sustain yourself well uh, funny you should ask that question so we left the hospital and um we went into manhattan and they gave us some waypoints and you know we did a scavenger hunt you know but it was just that sounds like that could have been a pretty fun time. We yeah. had a we had a fucking blast, man. And then it's a good was, it's a good positive was, after something that's a little bit heart wrenching. Well, well, yeah. Well, here's the kicker: the the last address, like it was, you know, be at such and such of address by such and such a time. So we're like the Upper East Side, or if I'm saying it right, you know, just the high end district. Um, and you know, you, you see these real fancy, dancy, you know, brownstones and. Joe come, what comes walking out. The door opens and Joe comes walking out on one of them. <laughs> and then he's flanked by two cocktail servers in black tie. I mean, they've got ster- sterling silver, uh, you know, cocktail trays. And we go into this place. It's called the Explorers Club. Yes. He's, he's a member. And, you know, it was the year of the Explorer. And, um, you know, we were his guests for a black tie dinner that evening. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I hallucinated this part, but or I don't remember it, but it, in, there were, there was talk about them live streaming what you guys were doing back in uh, Pittsfield, you know, crawling around in the, in the, in the river and uh, poison Ivy and, and just, just, basically getting beat on yeah they were they were they were messing us up hard they were putting us through the ringer (laughs) i i i was in just shock because we're we're in this i mean you have to to be a member you have to have like done something extraordinary for society Mm -hmm. you know like buzz aldrin's a member um shackleford's a member you know and, and they've got all these just these antiquities that you know from from explorers uh, or in history and it's just an amazing place, you know, uh, very, you know, very ritzy and, um, you know, and we've got 
a black tie dinner going on. The buffet, um, open bar. I mean, we're we're sucking down beers and and uh, and all the while, you know, you guys are getting the shit kicked out of you. Yeah, yeah. And we got to sit down at a round table and and have a nice uh, have a nice dinner. I, I, I mean, I'm. And, I'm, mean, I'm, and I'm, meanwhile, they're telling us that you guys are in your Tyvek suits and diapers and that you guys haven't been allowed to use the bathroom, and we're all <laughs> thinking that you guys are covered in shit. <laughs> They did at some point. At some point, uh, Don stopped the bus and, and made us get out and on the median strip of I-95 and, and, and do a bunch of burpees and and, uh, and stuff. But um, that was that was that was a really fun year. And the and the Dora poses. That was a fun year. I think that was my favorite for sure. The 2014 was an incredible, incredibly well organized death race. Oh no doubt, no no doubt. The Legend of the Death Race podcast is brought to you by Trail Toes, the best anti-blister, anti-chafing cream there is. Trail Toes prevented me from having any blisters after 66 hours at the 2014 Death Race and continues to prevent blisters on all my mountain adventures. Get your jar of Trail Toes today. Use the code THELEGEND on trailtoes.com for 10% off your purchase. What was your favorite thing that, that you would eat during the death race besides a really nice fancy dinner at the explorers club. <laughs> my, my favorite, my favorite task. I mean, the one I'm most proud of myself. Oh, sorry. I'm saying food, but task would be good too. Oh, Oh, food. Food's easy. You know, I, I, I guess 2013, 2014, you still were allowed to have crew. Yes. I, I figured out early that, you know, you, it was just keeping a steady stream of sandwiches Everybody talks about the general store, but there's there's another gym in town. It's this gas station that um, has a deli in there, and it's is that the one that's right across the street from the general store? No, it's a little bit further down. We stayed in a bed and breakfast that was just up the road like a mile. Okay, okay. Um, but anyway, there's a gas station right there, and and no line, very very fast, and 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 an awesome selection of really good food, and and that's you know I I love to eat. And I don't discriminate and I'll eat, you know, I, I like to eat burgers and sandwiches and we just had a, a steady stream of that stuff coming, you know, pretty much the whole time. Oh, that's the uh, way to I, do it. Yeah. When, when, when crew was allowed, it made it a lot easier. <laughs> but they killed the, the crew. Like, so there's no, there's no crew anymore. And that, that really changes things. It changes the whole game. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, 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 rem- I remember like turning the corner that second year and like that Sisu group. You know, Darren's outfit. I mean, they literally they mobilized an army. I'm yeah, sure I was I was in that group that year. Do yeah, remember that? dude, we, we that year was amazing. We were set. That was the first year where I had like a really, really official like crew and Sisu just, you know, that was my crew and they they brought it. They brought it and that kept us all fueled. I remember and we were like you're running through the woods and you just turn a corner and, and there's this full on camp kitchen. I mean, staffed by like, I don't know, it seemed like a dozen people, you know, gas burners and I mean, bacon. Yeah. You know, it's just, and you're thinking, wow, you know, yeah. these guys are really organized and, uh, you know, note to self, you know, for, for next year. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. And then we had like Ande Wagner being our, uh, you know, our medical. So if we needed anything with our feet or anything, she was right there to help patch us up. I mean, she gave Rob stitches right on the spot. It was pretty incredible uh, support crew that we had. It was definitely nothing like that. I think has ever happened since or ever would before even, you know, it was just, that was the crew. 
<laughs> How did you stay awake? Did you, uh, did you, you like know, caffeine or anything or? No, man. You know, I, I especially uh, that seventy-two hour one. That was a long one. Maybe caffeine in yeah in a coke or something. I, yeah. I, I honestly, it's it's you're you're so um, engaged in what you're doing. I, yeah, I feel like I, people I don't believe was. me when I tell them that, but it's like, yeah, you're just going, and it's like you just you forget about sleep at some point. I mean, yeah, you get tired, but even when you're you know you're walking through the night you know, from point A to point B, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly just doing internal checks, you know, do I have a hot spot? You know, uh, do I have water? You know, this, you know, you're concentrating so hard on, on that moment and just making sure you're not making yourself vulnerable to, uh, you know, the norm jumping out of the bushes or, you know, some, uh, some townie lying to you and telling you to go the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I just never really found myself being tired, you know, until it was, uh, either I was just asleep, um, you know, kind of like on the bus or, uh, when it, when it was over. Yeah. And I mean, like if you can catch those little naps, those winks, those little winks help. Um, well, where did you get the courage to do this? Like, I mean, where does that come from? Cause you know, a lot of people sign up for these things. A lot of people uh, don't show up, though. It's hard to actually go and toe the line. So, where did your courage come from? Man, I, I don't, I don't really know that it's courage so much as as it is just trying to not take it so seriously and and really just appreciate the fact that you know this is. Some people go to movies. You know, some 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 people play racquetball. Um, I paid money to, you know, go to Pittsfield and just do this, this awesome, crazy stuff with these just, you know, super, just uh, phenomenal, like-minded people, you know? Yeah. And, um, I think it's when you, you, you allow yourself to, um, to take it too seriously that you end up overthinking it and having, maybe not having the best experience, either physically or, or mentally. That's fair. What um, what piece of wisdom did you take away from your experience of the death race? Uh, try to look at um, I, I I mean and, and I, I apply this in, in my life every day as well because of it you know I mean there's there's the I guess the the, the, the typical way of doing thing the, the the standard if you will you know the transparent this is how things should go but the the death race taught me that there's there's there might be alternative dimensions to consider, right? Like you know a back door, mm-hmm. another level, and and I'm, you know, some just flat out call it cheating, um, you know, I I call it winning. But how is it cheating if there's no rules, right? Like right. there's yeah. no rules, there's no rule book. It's you know it's. You know, I wonder, is it possible to finish the death race, you know, by doing everything by the book if there, I mean, if there, there isn't a book. So I don't even know that you could say that, but I don't know. It's a good question I have there. So, yeah, definitely doing things a different way is, is a good lesson to learn from the death race because there's always more than one way to do something. You know, people will tell you this is the right way, but there's probably like five other ways to do it. So, uh. Would you do the death race again now that it's back? Well, it's it's funny you should mention, you know, that back to soul food. But um, 
Yes, I'm registered, and, and I'm actually hoping that by by way of this podcast that we uh, Don uh, will grant me my official um, media submission. You know, I'm going to tell you something. I saw a comment on a post somewhere that he was saying it doesn't count, and I, you know, I don't know what that's all about, but uh, Don, please, you, you might need to you Don. might need to go elsewhere from what I'm understanding out there. But I, I don't see why it wouldn't count. Don, please. <laughs> um, all right, so you know I like to ask this question at the end. What books would you recommend? If there's any books that you would recommend for people to to read for for getting your head head right or for training or for just for taking on something like the death race or anything that's you know seemingly impossible. Um, I mean, to me, the two Bibles have been covered in previous episodes. I heard someone mention uh, fixing your feet which is just clutch. I mean, you, you got to have that. It's, yeah. you know, on survival, your feet are everything in this thing. And then, uh, secondly, was born to run. Oh, yes. That's yeah. one of my, that's one of my all time favorites. Me- remember the, um, the survival run in, in Texas when you had to make, make your shoes. Yeah. Bef- bef- and then the race started once you, you manufactured your own. So, you know, I, I trained in sandals. You, you know, you could actually buy the manufactured version. Yeah, the Luna sandals. They're fantastic. Yeah, the Lunas. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I'm not a, I'm a bigger guy. I'm, I'm not a very good runner. But um, that book taught me. It changed the way that I run. And and, and I, I run in sandals on purpose from time to time because it's kind of like hitting the reset button mm-hmm. on, on the way my foot strike should should actually be. You know, I, I'm a big fan of ultras, and I love ultra shoes. And um, oh, they're the best. They're the absolute best. It's all I run in now. Yeah, yeah. And it's but because I, it, it gives you that form. It gives it, it kind of forces you into it, and it's great. Yeah. But you know, even still, you've got there's enough cushion there that that you can kind of get a little sloppy in your in your in your gait, and um, you know that that has long term implications. You might not be feeling it now, you know, in, at your age, but. Uh, I'm 50. I feel, you know, I, I pay every, every decision I make it comes with a price. <laughs> oh, abso- oh, absolutely. I, you know, 34 years old right now, and I'm feeling so many aches and pains already. But I was a gymnast from the age of three on, so I oh, mean, yeah. it's, it's inevitable. I've I've kind of just uh, accepted my fate. Uh, both my parents have had, you know, replacements. My mom's had hip replacements. My dad's had knee replacements. Like I'm bound to have probably both. It is what it is. You know, I'll have to find a way to just deal with it. <laughs> um, those are both great books, I think, and everyone definitely should give both of them a read, especially if you're doing any sort of endurance event. Uh, they Born to Run is just super motivating and inspiring, and and it also helps correct your form. And then fixing your feet just it keeps you prepared for for surviving these kinds of long events and keeping your feet in good condition. But I've, uh, got, a, I've got a good one. Um, it's called Fearless. It's a it's a book about a, a Navy SEAL uh, by the name of Adam Brown. And okay. So I I know Goggins. Everyone's reading Goggins' book right yeah. now. Yeah. Awesome read. But um, Fearless, not not too many people know about. But it's it's just another really good story about you know a, a one man's struggle and um, you know just how driven he was to you know overcome some adversity and uh just do some you know superhuman shit you know plus he was a you know, patriot that ultimately gave his uh his life for our country so 
really good book by the name of Fearless. That's a good one to add to the list and one we haven't heard about. So that'll be that'll be cool to check out. Well, is there uh, any networks or anything that you want to share for people to follow or to keep up on your stories or to read? Maybe you want to share your story about the Kokoro or, you know, this is a great time to do that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm on Facebook. You know, most of the folks that I've had the pleasure of death racing with over the years, um, yeah, I, I, I get to enjoy their their experiences on on just Facebook by by watching or, um, but no, I, I don't really you know publish anything like that. Uh, uh, just uh, Facebook, you can find me. Awesome, sounds great. Well. Brandon, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about your death race experience today and for being on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure having you here on the show. And stay tuned for more legends from past death racers. If you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review. This really helps the podcast move up the rankings so we can reach even more humans. Also, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if you find you really enjoy what we're doing, consider becoming a sustaining member by clicking the link in the show notes. Just a quick reminder, my legend, The Legend of the Death Race book, is now available. Visit legendofthedeathrace.com slash book to order your copy today. Thank you again for tuning in. If you'd like to stay up to date on my current adventures and training, you can follow me on Instagram or Facebook. Just search the handle at thatenduranceguy or visit thatenduranceguy.com. We'll see you next time on The Legend of the Death Race podcast. Now go create your own legend. <laughs>